Hello, hello, friends. It's me, Ryan Geyser, and it's time to listen to I Wanna Watch the Very Best, Cause Gotta Watch Em All Was Taken. Bop. So, you know how last week I said, Hey, I have Anime Boston coming up! Wowzers, owzers! Um, because of that, I think I'm going to take the next week off just so I can catch up. I've been spending a lot of time with this podcast, and I'm enjoying it for the most part, but I could use a couple days off. I'm going to enjoy the convention, not work on anything, and be back later that week. And anything that I can work on will just be extra catch-up. So, long speech short, just don't expect an episode next week. I'm going to be not doing it. But I will be back the week after that. So yeah, we're very close to finishing the Indigo League. Honestly, probably one of the biggest hurdles in the series. It's like 80 episodes long just with the Indigo League. The other ones are divided into seasons, at least, but here we have the Indigo League is 80 episodes, Orange Island is like 20, I think, and then finally we move on to Gen 2, which is a little bit shorter than all that combined. It's still long, but we'll work through it. We've gotten this far. At the very least, I'm going to definitely finish Indigo. Anyway, with that news, let's get right into today's episode right now. Episode 51, Bulbasaur's Mysterious Garden. Synopsis! During a battle, Bulbasaur begins acting strangely, its bulb glowing. Nurse Joy informs the group that it's because Bulbasaur is going to evolve soon, and the trio follow it to a secret spot where all of its species gather, unknowingly followed by Team Rocket as well. On the way to Cinnabar Gym, Ash battles a hiker, sending out Bulbasaur against a Rhyhorn. Rhyhorn uses takedown, hitting Bulbasaur before they can attack. Seeing Bulbasaur pant tiredly, Ash tries to recall them back to their ball, but the plant jumps out of the way from the beam, determined to win! The hiker makes fun of Ash for being unable to command his Pokemon, before a razor leaf and vine whip demolish the Rhyhorn. Immediately changing his tune, the hiker compliments Ash's Bulbasaur while he compliments the Rhyhorn in return. Cheering Bulbasaur for its win! Ash then suddenly realizes that Bulbasaur seems off, panting really heavily before its plant bulb begins to grow brightly, leading them to rush to a Pokemon Center, arriving at night. Nurse Joy looks at it, momentarily concerned, and promises to do what she can, taking Bulbasaur to the back while Togepi happily chitters at a blooming flower. After some tests, Nurse Joy comes back out and assures Ash that nothing is wrong, and Bulbasaur is just preparing to evolve. Everyone congratulates Ash on this. Yay, it's a bulb! Ash wonders how long it'll be till the evolution, with Nurse Joy looking out a window at some flowers suddenly blooming outside, Misty pointing out that the same thing happened inside, and the flowers then emit sparkles that lead into the woods. Joy tells the group that Bulbasaur from across the world gather once a year to evolve in a festival at the Mysterious Garden, which no human has ever seen clearly. As the group sleeps that night, Pikachu hears Bulbasaur sneak out in the middle of the night and follows. Under the moon, the two have a deep conversation. Pika Pika, Pikachu, Pika Pika, Bulbasaur, 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 Pikachu. But suddenly, vines whip out from the woods and grab Bulbasaur, pulling it away to a small group of other bulbs that run off. Pikachu is about to attack, but Bulbasaur tells it to go get Ash instead. 
Pikachu then rushes back to the Poke Center, waking Ash up with an electric shock, imitating Bulbasaur, and then leading the trio to the forest. Team Rocket, meanwhile, is walking through and admiring the blooming area as well. Except James, who's allergic to the sparkly stuff. They then see the large group of Bulbasaur, trying to grab them but getting vine-whipped into blasting off. That was fast. They then land in a crater right behind Ash's group, the former not noticing them. Team Ash continues to follow the pollen trail, but they're nearly stopped by a bunch of vines forming a wall in front of them, all three diving in at the last second with no choice but to press forward. Advancing further, they come across a large clearing with a giant tree in the middle full of happily singing Bulbasaur. The tree, initially barren, begins to sprout healthy leaves as a Venusaur stomps out from inside it, roaring at the Bulba crowd. Pikachu then points out Ash's Bulbasaur, which still has a bandage from its battle earlier, and Ash is about to call out to it before Misty stops him, saying that no humans have ever been or are even supposed to be there, encouraging Ash to just watch the show for now. The grass Pokemon all begin chanting with the Venusaur, except Ash's, which seems really unwilling. All the Pokemon begin glowing just as Team Rocket tries to figure out a way to pass the vines. How do we get in there? Why doesn't Meowth just scratch his way through with his claws? I just filed him. All right, Garden Wall, you asked for it! We're the toughest team you ever saw. Let's cut to the chase! Oh! A timber tantrum, eh? Let's get to the root of its problem! I'm dying! After some bad cutting implement puns, the vines chase them off, while the Bulbasaur all begin to evolve into Ivysaur. Just as the group watches in wonder at the festival, and marvels at the beauty of life, Ash notices that his Bulbasaur is actively trying to not evolve. The Venusaur notices and begins to argue with the unevolved Mon, having the Ivysaur turn on it as well before launching a powerful Vine Whip attack at the Pokémon. Ash, wanting to protect his friend, rushes in and takes the brunt of the hit for it. Surrounded by a swarm of angry grass types, Ash defends his Bulbasaur, saying it's Bulbasaur's choice whether to evolve or not. Venusaur shows off its nature manipulation power, and Misty says that Bulbasaur could do that too, but it stays stubbornly against evolving, with Ash apologizing for getting caught up in the moment of its potential evolution. Just as Venusaur is considering Ash's words, possibly making this a very deep episode about the right to choose your own path in life and growth, Team Rocket shows up in their balloon to be a plot device that shifts everyone over to Ash's side of an argument immediately. Now we'll have to prepare for trouble. Prepare for trouble! They then drop a giant suction device from the balloon that starts abducting all the Ivysaur. Venusaur grabs a few with Vine Whip, but turning the power up, it starts to get lifted as well. Ash is about to have Pikachu zap the balloon, but Misty warns that it may hurt the Ivysaur. Pikachu is then also vacuumed up, but is saved at the last second by Bulbasaur, who is somehow not being sucked into the balloon as well. Weird. Ash has it use Razor Leaf, but to no effect. Team Rocket then laughs at how weak and puny Bulbasaur is. <laughs> Angered, Bulbasaur roars as the sun rises, preparing to use Solar Beam. Okay, Bulbasaur, get ready to use your Solar Beam! Bulbasaur! Fire the Solar Beam! 
The attack destroys the vacuum and the balloon, with one more razor leaf freeing the trapped Ivysaur. The basket lands in the middle of the angered horde, all of them vine-whipping the rockets away. Venusaur then approaches the group, seeming to have accepted Bulbasaur's determination to grow stronger before evolving, offering a vine in friendship. The vine wall then clears, and the group notices that the garden vanished when they had their backs turned. The herd of grass types depart, with the narrator speculating on when, and if, Bulbasaur will ever choose to evolve. To this day, it still hasn't, by the way. This is a really interesting episode because it almost feels like a Studio Ghibli film that Pokemon just decided to crash. Like, think about it. Mysterious nighttime event that causes flowers to bloom spontaneously all across the land. Vines to sprout and block the way. Hordes of plant monsters gathering in one place for a ritual to bloom themselves. Humans accidentally discovering this other world. And then Team Rocket shows up at the end. It really feels like Pokemon invading another story, but that's not a bad thing. It also really gives some insight on Bulbasaur, showing how prideful and stubborn it is, and its determination to become stronger as it is to the point that it actively denies and fights against a natural and seemingly very important ritual. It also really helps to start to find Ash's Pokemon, especially in a time when they had somewhat less personality than later generations. So yeah, simple but solid episode. Episode 52, Princess vs. Princess. Synopsis. It's Princess Day, a time where women are celebrated and treated like royalty, with the men carrying their things. In honor of this special day, a Pokemon tournament is held, with the prize being limited edition Pokemon princess dolls. Misty and Jessie, both coveting those dolls, enter with a determination to win. But Jessie has a new secret weapon. Also, quick side note, this episode was supposed to chronologically take place before Togepi hatched, and because of that, Togepi is non-existent in this episode. But they treat it in the next episode, where Togepi does exist, as if this episode had just happened. And we can all thank Pikachu ruining Porygon's name for that. As fireworks go off in the sky, Misty and Jessie proudly celebrate Princess Day, a holiday where women receive numerous discounts, luxuries, and free gifts, with the men obligated to do everything the women want. Let the Princess Festival begin! Today the women rule! Listen up! This is the one day of the year! You, you have, have to do, do everything, everything I tell you to do! Everything? How's that different from any other day of the year? Misty goes on a shopping spree, then sits down with her two companions to eat, her having an entire table of free food, with the other two only able to afford a glass of orange juice each. Brock then sees a waitress, and asks her out only to get rejected a lot rougher than normally. Excuse me, uh, miss? Would you allow me to be your prince on this princess day? <laughs> that is so cute. When you grow up big and strong, you'll meet a nice girl. Misty then points out a billboard advertising a sale and insists that the three rush off again. Elsewhere, Jessie is trying on numerous different outfits as the Rockets motto off, James and Meowth boredly supplying confetti with each outfit. After buying a lot of it on the Team Rocket company card, they then go to the park, with James complaining that he hates how boring this holiday is. Jessie then tells them to stop complaining. She wasn't only shopping for herself, but was also grabbing some fancy food for their boss as an apology for not capturing Pikachu. Meowth and James are suspicious that it'll work. 
of rustling in a nearby bush alerts the team to a lick tongue stepping out from behind it, calmly walking over to the group, using its tongue to grab and eat the boss's gift right out of Jesse's hands. It then digs around in the other boxes lying around, eating all the food but spitting out Jesse's new clothing before trying to innocently walk away. Enraged by this, Jessie angrily sends out her Arbok to battle it. However, it's instantly paralyzed by a tongue attack, so Jessie instead furiously throws a Pokeball at it, and to the surprise of her companions, successfully captures the Licky Tongue. Deciding to deal with it later, she brings James and Meowth with her to return to her shopping spree. Inside another store, Jessie and Misty fight with the other femoids over clothes, their male companions sitting in separate parts of the store, both bored and horrified by the violence. You know, Brock, I never knew that shopping was such a dangerous sport. Pants off, sister! It's mine! I don't think I'm tough enough to be a woman. Yeah. The two ladies then both grab the same outfit, fighting over it before deciding to settle it with a Pokemon battle. Just as both of their male groups rush over to join them, an older lady walks over and picks up the dress while they're busy. They yell at her, Hey, that's mine! But she glares at them, and both immediately surrender the outfit to her. An announcement comes over the intercom, announcing the day's main event, a contest, with the winner receiving a one-of-a-kind Pokemon Princess doll set, exciting Misty and Jessie, along with a picture with the movie star Fiorella Cappuccino, which excites the rest of the women present, all of them rushing towards the announcement stage and trampling Ash, Brock, James, and Meowth. Jessie suggests using the contest to settle the dispute they were having a moment ago, with the winner keeping the dolls. I mean, yeah, that's what the contest was for, to let the winner keep some dolls. Great job. At the commencement stage, an announcer introduces the soft-spoken movie star, and then goes on to describe what qualities the women must have, transforming himself into each Pokemon as he says it. And the winner of our contest must be as poised as a jinx, sit as serenely as a jigglypuff, and possess the charm and grace of an Oddish. Now let's meet our Princess Festival contestants! All the contestants walk out on stage, wearing decorative kimonos and prettied up a bit. There's a lot less people competing than one would think for a massive city-wide main event. There's maybe like 10 people. The MC then introduces one of the main prizes, a set of custom-crafted, one-of-a-kind Pokemon princess dolls. It's unique, it's antique, it's a beautiful handmade, custom-crafted, one-of-a-kind luxury Pokemon princess doll set! Battery sold separate. There are just several Pokemon dolls dressed up in traditional Japanese outfits. Also, the Jinx doll still has blackface, they hadn't gotten around to fixing that just yet. Jesse and Misty trash-talk each other a bit, but it's surprisingly civil given the two of them. The announcer then asks the women to prepare their Pokemon, with Jesse and Misty surprised to learn that this isn't a beauty contest, but a Pokemon tourney! Up on a rooftop stadium, Misty begs Ash and Brock to loan her some of their Pokemon. They say sure, but Ash is skeptical that their Pokemon would listen to her. Pikachu, however, happily jumps over to Misty, since the two of them already get along pretty well. Ash jealously comments that Misty must really want that picture with the movie star. But she explains that she's really in it for the doll set. She goes on to explain that, as the youngest, it's rare and special to have something that belongs to only you. Her sisters all got their own doll sets, but Misty only got the broken hand-me-downs. Because of this, she's determined to finally have her own doll set that belongs exclusively to her!
It must be a girl thing. Maybe it isn't a girl thing. Maybe it's just a misty thing. Calm down. We'll help you. You can borrow our Pokemon. Then you'll have a good, strong, well-balanced team. Yeah, we'll help. Misty ends up with Pikachu, Bulbasaur, Vulpix, and her Starmie, with their original trainers encouraging the Pokemon to help Misty win. The first battle pits a Kingler against Misty's temporary Bulbasaur. Using Vine Whip, the Kingler is quickly restrained and recalled, followed by the rest of her opponent's Pokemon being defeated in a still frame montage, leading to Misty's first victory. We then cut to Jessie, up against a Primeape. James asks how she expects to win with just a Harbok, with her revealing that she already snatched his coughing when he wasn't looking, to James's distress. Meowth still questions her chances, but Jesse comments that he's forgetting something, causing both of them to stare at each other quizzically for a few seconds. And then Meowth suddenly remembers to his horror that he's a Pokemon too, and is thrown into the arena against a Primeape. Not the best type matchup, but let's see how this goes. Listen, banana boy, don't make me mad or I'll have to hurt ya. Oh well, it was worth a shot. Jessie follows up with Arbok, poisoning her opponent into submission and moving on. After a montage of each trainer's borrowed Pokemon beating their challenger, it finally leads to both of them facing off in the final round. James and Meowth, dressed as mobsters, offer to take care of her, but Jessie says she can handle it herself. James then asks if she actually intends to do this legitimately, with Jessie going into her backstory. Jessie tells the two of them that, Growing up, she never had a princess doll, and despises Princess Day because it reminds her of what she was never able to obtain. Crying, James and Meowth tell her that they hope this year is different, believing she'll finally be able to win her very own doll set. The announcer prepares to start the final round, rhetorically asking who the victor will be. Jessie yelling, it's a dumb question because obviously it will be me. They then reuse the announcer's uh noise. Undefeated Eastern Division Champion Misty battles Western Division Champ Jessie for the Queen of the Princess Festival title. Who will be the victor? I'm gonna be the victor! What kind of stupid question is that? Uh, uh... Jessie sends out Arbok with Misty using Pikachu. With one Thundershock each, Arbok, Weezing, and Meowth are all taken out. Go, Meowth! Meowth can handle anything! Except the Thundershock from that Pikachu. No! Just as Jessie is lamenting losing so quickly, Meowth reminds her that it's not over yet, as she has one more Pokemon. The licky tongue she caught earlier that day. Determined that the last chance she has, she sends it out, surprising Misty's group, who didn't know that Team Rocket had another Pokemon. Pikachu tries to electrocute it just like the others, but it gets licked and stunned before it even has the chance, shocking Misty when she's forced to pick another Pokemon to send out. Ash encourages her to use Bulbasaur and block the tongue with vines. But this backfires when Lickitung uses the vines to tongue grab Bulbasaur and swing it around, knocking it out of the battlefield. Vulpix is equally unsuccessful, getting licked and KO'd as well. Misty, declaring her refusal to lose, sends out Staryu. But Psyduck pops out first, horrifying Misty. But the tables start to turn again, as Lickitung's licks don't seem to have much effect on the small duck. Misty then tries to have Psyduck fight back, but it's unable to figure out how to use any of its moves. Similarly, Jessie tries to have Lickitung use Tackle, but it refuses as well. 
In the Japanese version, it's implied to be due to hunger, but the dub added music over the scene that drowns out the stomach growling noise, so it seems to be for no reason. Continuing to be licked, Psyduck begins to suffer from a headache, which Misty is happy to see. She has her Pokemon use confusion to pull out Lickitung's tongue, having it snap back into their face and knock them over, causing them to roll into Team Rocket and blast them away! Kind of unfairly, as they've been nothing but shockingly fair and really good sports this whole episode. Misty celebrates her win, and then later admires her first doll set, with Ash and Brock congratulating her, and her thanking Psyduck. She then packages and ships her dolls to the Cerulean Gym to make her sisters jealous. The narrator says that Misty learned an important lesson, that she never could have done it without her friends. Elsewhere and when, Jessie is seen softly crying to Lickitung over once again being unable to obtain her own doll, despite being so close this time, before Lickitung licks her, ruining the moment. She's thankful it tried to cheer her up regardless, though. Meowth and James then sheepishly approach her, dressed up in similar garb to the lost doll set, saying that since she couldn't win the real doll set, they'll substitute for it. With the shot closing over the entire team dressed up and placed in a similar setup, Jesse affectionately calling them all dolls. Man, here we have another episode where I like Team Rocket more. Misty's determination stems from never having a doll that belongs to just her, which is fair and reasonable, don't get me wrong. But Jessie's desire to have one because she was never able to afford one, viewing the holiday as a mockery to her situation was a much worthier cause. While of course the ending was great for her, and I'm glad that her team showed its kindness, it was a fine end for what we got, I think she deserved better. The team was violently knocked into the sky despite not doing much wrong this episode, and I think a better ending is in order. In my mind, a good way to fix this is to have Licky Tongue get knocked out, have Misty celebrate and run up to the doll display, which would have just been omnipresent all episode, and happily admire her prize. She would then notice Jessie, legitimately sad instead of angry at her loss, her team trying to comfort her, unintentionally explaining her desire for a doll out loud. Realizing how much the doll set meant to Jessie, Misty would offer her the Pikachu doll, saying it may not be the real thing, but here. Jessie would be surprised at first, then softly smile and try to hold in her emotions, accepting the doll and coolly saying, Just so you know, this doesn't change anything. But thanks. And walking away with her team. Misty then sends the remaining set to Cerulean, Ash asking why she gave one up. Misty replies that she finally got her own set. Someone else deserves theirs as well. Besides, what she kept was plenty to make her sisters jealous. We then end with a similar scene, Jessie looking at her new doll with mixed feelings, before James and Meowth approach with their own living setup, Jessie happily thanking them as well, the Pikachu sitting in the middle of all of them. I don't know how it sounds to you, but to me, I like that ending a lot. It calls back on the weird affection each group can show each other, while also presenting a slightly better message and less bittersweet ending for Jessie. That's just my thoughts, though. What we got certainly wasn't bad at all, however. Plus, we have a new Pokemon for Jessie to neglect almost as badly as Ash neglects Pidgeotto. I will say though, once again, Team Rocket is surprisingly more competent than the show or the fans make them out to be. Jessie battles her way to the final round, which is still an impressive feat regardless of who she's facing. So guys, give Team Rocket more credit and please give them the ending they deserve. Okay, next up we have... Episode 53, The Perfect Hero. Synopsis. 
During Kids Day, our heroes are roped into performing for a group of children. However, one child notes that he'd much more prefer to meet a Meowth that saved him. After a botched Pika napping, Team Rocket's Meowth considers embracing the hero life as well. Continuing towards Cinnabar, the group sees some Pokemon banners flying in front of a school, excitedly realizing that it's Kids Day! Misty wishes they could celebrate and play all day like they used to when they were younger. But Ash points out that he can't rest while he still has badges to get. And Brock comments that Kids Day is for real men only. And anyway, you've already had your princess festival. Kids Day should be a boy's holiday only for men. Real men. Real tough men. Oh. Oh, I'm just as tough as you two. Now are we going to play or are we going to play? Play. Just then, a teacher from the school comes out saying she's been eagerly expecting the trainer she asked to show up to arrive. Brock rolls with this misunderstanding to hit on her, but she gets a phone call and learns that the trainer she hired couldn't make it, and the three in front of her are the wrong people. Upset that she'll have to cancel the Pokemon viewing, Ash's group volunteers to show off their Pokemon in the missing one's place. Team Rocket overhears this conversation from some camouflage, and James happily reminisces of his children's days. Kids Day. That used to be the day I waited for all year long. <laughs> he recalls how he got out of school, swam in the pool, and had tons of ice cream sandwiches. While Jesse angrily says she never got any of that, at best getting one slice of bologna sandwich. The school kids run over and start playing with Pikachu's face. Thankfully, Ash pulls his Pokemon away right before it zaps everyone, taking the brunt of the shock himself. The teacher calmly asks them to behave themselves more. THEN YELLS AT THEM WHEN THEY SEEM TO IGNORE HER! The kids then demand to see more Pokemon, causing the trio to release and show off their whole teams. Minus Charizard, who would probably kill the kids. As the children all play with the Pokemon, Misty notices one kid, Timmy, hanging off quietly to the side, seemingly disinterested. Going over to talk to him, the boy tells the trio that he only wants to meet a Meowth, as one saved him from an angry Beedrill before running off into the woods. Misty wonders if this was Team Rocket's Meowth, but the boy says that Pokemon can't talk, dummy. The other kids then start making fun of Timmy for telling a story they believe is a lie, when suddenly, happy music starts playing as a magic show van rolls up, run by a disguised Team Rocket. First, we'll make a certain Pokemon disappear! Pikachu! You think we can really pull this off? Don't make me saw you in half! Setting up inside, the Rocket Duo presents an empty box, saying that when a Pokemon is placed inside, something mysterious happens. They then grab Pikachu as a volunteer, putting him inside the box and having Meowth pop out. The preschoolers, especially Timmy, are amazed by the trick. The Rockets then attempt to leave, but Ash angrily demands they give him back Pikachu, saying they look extremely familiar. Their cover blown, they blow it even further by instead of fleeing, revealing themselves, all while getting surrounded by energetic toddlers. Trying to give their motto, Jesse and James are assaulted by the small children, with Meowth looking on in horror. They also start tossing wheezing around like a volleyball. The teacher, after calmly and then fiercely yelling at the kids to stop, has the kids leave as wheezing fills the room with smog. In the confusion, Timmy tries to rescue Meowth, only to trip over the box, knock Pikachu out of it, and fall into it himself. Not realizing this, Team Rocket runs off with the box, moving on from animal kidnapping to actual kidnapping. 
As Ash sees Pikachu is safe, the teacher then worriedly realizes that Timmy is missing! In the woods, Team Rocket attempts to capture Pikachu for realsies, instead finding, to their and his horror, a boy. Initially crying, he immediately calms down and grows excited when he sees Meowth, believing this to be the one that saved him from the Beedrill. Meowth initially tries to reject, but the Rockets stop him, saying they need to keep this boy's dream alive since they're not that evil. Team Rocket may be rotten cheaters, but we're not in the business of destroying children's dreams, at least not yet. And Team Rocket may be liars, but one lie can make one of us a hero in the eyes of one little boy on Kids Day. Meowth fantasizes about being a hero and agrees to the plan, with Jesse and James warning him to not say a single word in human speak. Jesse and James, leaning into the villain role, appear from behind the van again, threatening Timmy so Meowth can jump out in front and protect him. Using fury swipes, the rockets are knocked down, saying that he did a bit too good of a job playing hero. Just as Ash's group and the teacher prepare to look for the boy, he runs back to the school alongside Meowth. His classmates apologize for not believing him, and they all begin to play with the cat Pokemon, overwhelming him and causing him to slip up and talk. Misty's the only one who seemed to notice, with her other two companions glaring at Meowth suspiciously as he begins to timidly back away. The admiration from the kids almost causes him to stay, but fearing being found out, he runs away anyway. Timmy, and as a result, the rest of the kids, teacher, and Ash's group all follow. Meowth runs back to the rockets, apologizing for blowing his cover, with the other two saying they'll handle the rest. Following Timmy, everyone arrives at what seems to be a dead end at a cliff face, with Team Rocket appearing and giving their motto. Meowth tries to finish it, but the other two knock him away before he blows his cover... again. Because that's still an issue for some reason. They're also further annoyed by the small children again. Um, go back to where you came from, little brats. Disappear now! Arbok and Weezing are sent out, with Ash and Brock sending out Pidgeotto and Onyx. Weezing tries to smog the area again, but Pidgeotto blows the smoke and Weezing away. However, Arbok has already burrowed underground and jumps up to bite Pidgeotto, being saved at the last second by Onyx headbutting the snake. This, unfortunately, causes Arbok to slam into the cliff, causing rocks to begin tumbling towards everyone. Everyone is able to run out of the way, except for Timmy, who trips. Ash rushes over to help him up, but due to the delay, is about to be crushed by the boulder. Meowth panics, but the wild Meowth from Timmy's story jumps off his head, kicking the rock and breaking it in two, once again saving the boy's life. Before Team Rocket's Meowth can process what happened, he's chased away by another boulder, which his companions are balancing on top of. Back at the school, the teacher thanks the Poke Crew for all they've done. Timmy then declares to Ash that one day he and his new Meowth companion will become just as strong as the trio, eventually challenging the Pokemon League as well. Ash encourages this, and the three walk away from the school with fond memories of another kid's day. We end with a shot of Team Rocket walking sadly in front of a sunset. Jesse and James ask Meowth if he regrets it, and he tries to play it off like he doesn't, but seems to secretly wish he could have stayed a hero. 
You two need me more than they do. Dream on, Meowth. By the way, what do we do now? Meowth, we've got to get that Pikachu. Don't worry, Jesse. Meowth always has a plan. Don't you, Meowth? <laughs> this is honestly kind of a boring episode. The first half of it just kind of feels like the opening of a Pokemon movie, where they send their whole team out, but then it's not followed by a cool movie, instead just a very lackluster Gen 1 episode. There weren't even any solid jokes or anything, I just kind of sat there watching it, taking notes the whole time, with no real enjoyment. Maybe some people would find the angry teacher joke funny, but I've seen that kind of character trope too many times for it to do it for me, especially on a side character. So in my opinion, this episode is all around... But regardless, next up is episode 54. <laughs> the case of the canine caper. <laughs> Synopsis. Ash enrolls himself and Pikachu in the police Growlithe training program to become stronger. But the program takes a harder toll than anticipated, and everyone gets a little high-strung. Ash and Co. continue towards Cinnabar, with Jigglypuff secretly following them, before an unseen Officer Jenny yells for a thief to stop! Ash immediately assumes it's Team Rocket, but it's proven wrong when the man dressed as a stereotypical Japanese burglar runs out in front of them, holding a gun and a full bag. Ash tries to have Pikachu attack, but the mouse sees the gun and hides behind Ash's shoulder, too scared. A Growlithe is then ordered to attack the thief, pouncing on him and having him drop the gun. Pikachu, now emboldened, electrocutes the man, but a whistle sounds off and the trio are surrounded by several more aggressive Growlithe. Jenny and some other officers check to see if the burglar is okay, before yelling at the kids for interfering. They plead innocence, saying they were just trying to help, but Jenny explains that the criminal is actually a dressed-up cop training their police Pokémon. Ash uses his Pokedex on the Growlithe, despite having already done so in the Ranch episode and also electing not to do it in the Marriage episode. Brock tries to pet one, but is growled at, with Jenny reassuring the group they're harmless unless ordered otherwise, and having them line up and say hello. Tax dollars at work. Team Rocket watches from a tree, deciding that stealing an aggressive police dog is a good idea. James assures the two he has a plan, with Jesse being on board but Meowth seeming really pessimistic. Jenny takes the trio to the station, giving them food and drink. You kids must be exhausted. I hope you'll be able to eat something. I guess that's not a problem. Ash then remarks how incredible Growlithe was, being much braver than Pikachu. Brock, Misty, and Jenny defend his Pokemon, saying that it's not fair to expect Pikachu to an attack an armed opponent without special training. Ash at first angrily justifies his stance, but is eventually persuaded by the others that they're right, and he's only been using his Pokemon for battling and capturing, not armed criminal takedown. He then asks to have Pikachu train with the Growlithe, as Pikachu helps save Togepi from falling off a table. Jenny agrees to help train his Pikachu the next day, and then when dawn comes, the group is loudly awoken at 4am! Ash and Pikachu try to go back to sleep again, but Jenny forces them up anyway! They begin the day with an obstacle course, with Ash encouraging the unenthused Pika. Jenny then goes, <laughs> Poor naive Ash, you're running too! Why would a trainer make their Pokemon do something they wouldn't? The four of them start running, Ash and Pikachu taking an early lead, but stopping when they reached a barbed net made to make them crawl. Ash struggles, and Pikachu gets their tail caught, causing them to zap the wires and Ash. 
Next up is a big wall, which Jenny and Growlithe clear no problem. Ash tries and actually manages to reach the top, but falls, landing on a very zappy Pikachu. Resting later, Ash and Pikachu are exhausted, but Ash is determined to continue. Brock tries to persuade Ash that Pikachu is great as is, and Ash agrees that Pikachu is amazing, but says that they could be better, assuming they want to continue, but being met with a very tired response. Then, speeding in and breaking down a wall, Team Rocket rides in with a Growlithe-styled van that looks like a Pokemon version of the Dumb and Dumber car. The Growlithe run up and surround the vehicle, with Team Rocket emboldening themselves by imagining having the puppies rob banks and museums. They'll rob banks whenever we see them. They'll steal artworks from every museum. We'll be the richest criminals of all time. The queen, the king, the cat of crime. Just as Jenny boasts that her Pokemon would never commit a crime, the Rockets put on a gas mask and spray smelly gas to prevent the Pokemon from using their noses. It also might be made out of that gloom essence they stole during the Erica battle, so that's a fun fact. They then spray everyone with another gas, which basically functions like helium that lasts a really long time. What kind of gas is this? Yeah! What happened to my voice? I sound like one of the chipmunks! Something's wrong with my voice. That gas they just sprayed makes your voice get high and squeaky. Our plan is working. Yes, we're certainly hitting a career high note. Yes, they speak like this for almost the entire second half of the episode. It's incredible. Jenny orders the Growlithe to attack, but they're just standing around confused, as having no smell and Jenny's voice changing, making them ineffective police dogs. Jesse and James then gleefully change into officer clothes and both pull out megaphones that make them sound like Officer Jenny. The plan works perfectly, the Pokemon now all listening to Jesse. The Rockets then have the Pokemon tie Jenny up and start to enter the van, but Ash yells at them to stop. Seeing a chance to knock him down a peg, Jesse has the fire dogs surround our heroes, growling. Ash tries to send his Pokemon out, but the trio suddenly realize they all left their Pokemon inside. Pikachu then hops down to defend Ash, but Jesse came prepared, changing into the outfit of and using a megaphone to sound just like Ash Ketchum, and order Pikachu into the van as well. Ash begs Pikachu not to listen, and thankfully, Pikachu calmly walks over to his trainer, recognizing him despite the trickery due to their bond. Jesse angrily orders the Growlithe to attack, but Pikachu zaps them all! Repeatedly. Pikachu eventually gets tired, but the Growlithe are still going. Jigglypuff then wanders in from nowhere, tries to sing, realizes its voice is weird, and then walks away. Thanks, Jigglypuff. Jenny, having untied herself, stands in front of her Growlithe and begs them to stop. Seeing them hesitate for a second, Jessie orders them to attack, Jenny blocking the bite from one of them with her fist. 
as it's biting her hand. Growlithe recalls Jenny taking care of it since it was a puppy and recognizes her, licking the officer in apology. Realizing their mistake, the Growlithe turn on the rockets, who frantically mess with the megaphones and shift into each other's voices by mistake. Meowth, realizing the plan is an absolute bust, speeds off in the van without the other two. As the Growlithe rush and bite the butts of Jesse and James, they run off as well, with Jenny being surrounded affectionately by her Pokemon. The main trio then says bye to Jenny, with Ash realizing that Pikachu was fine as they were, and he doesn't need special training. Jenny acknowledges the importance of bonding with Pokemon, and Brock uses the megaphone to roleplay as Jenny right in front of her. I'd like Brock to know what's in my heart. Huh? Brock's so good looking. And he's so talented. I just love him so much. Brock is the coolest. You are pathetic. Oh. The narrator also says how much Pikachu and Ash love each other. While Jigglypuff stumbles across a dropped megaphone. Don't worry, the megaphone never actually comes up again. I don't know why they did this. It's a little bit weird. I don't know. The first half of this episode is kind of slow and unremarkable, but it's well worth it for the second half. It's just so crazy to me that they'd pitch shift every character that it becomes hilarious. Sadly, I kind of shared most of the funny jokes, and the first half really isn't worth talking about, so there's not much more to add. I will say, though, clips from this episode were used in a really great ad back on TV, where it's this big Officer Jenny conference, and they're all talking to each other, and Team Rocket sneaks in with a disguise, but are caught. It's a great ad. I recommend trying to find it. Oh, hi, Jenny. Hey, Jenny. Officer Jenny? Me, Officer Jenny. Hey, you look familiar. Have we met? I love that outfit you're wearing. Oh, this old thing? Now before we I suggest we arrest Ash and take his Pikachu. Arrest those imposters! Whoa, hello friends, it's Intro Ryan again, here to bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to this episode of I Want to Watch the Very Best, it means a lot to me. Please make sure to tell your friends about me, and make sure to press the funny little subscribe, follow, whatever button your service uses, to let you know when a new episode comes out. And, because I don't have much more to say in closing... Have a great morning, day, evening, night, outside of space-time, whatever. Just have a good one. Bye!